I would get those very slim and destructible books. I don't know if Coda's a big book man. Oh yeah, he loves eating books. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Welcome to episode 50. Today we're talking about things that have gotten either easier or harder throughout the first almost year of our baby's lives. But before we get into that, let's handle the updates. So Mark, uh, update us on Coda. Coda is nine and a half months old now, maybe a little more. Uh, next week we have actually his 10 month checkup coming. Mm. Uh, it's, it's a little early. I think just the way they, they have to schedule it. And then we're going to America in a few weeks. So we had to like push it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, he's doing really good. The only really big change I guess we've seen with him or update is that his attention on us has improved quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like even up to last week, Moe and I were talking about it. And like every time we like say his name or like try to interact with him, he like w- really wouldn't give us the time of day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was getting to the point where both of us were getting a little depressed. Like he just would ignore us. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty sad. But all of a sudden this week, he's uh, really interested in us. He engages with us like all the time sometimes you'll just be sitting there and he's just like suddenly staring at you <laughs> like maybe it just clicked for him like hey there's other people here <laughs> yeah that's good you sometimes worry like do i have a little sociopath on my hands he yeah doesn't look me in the <laughs> eye what's going yeah. on here i've experienced that a little bit where i uh hold nico in front of my face and then he makes it a point to look over my shoulder at something else exactly just him or myself to get right into his line of sight then he just looks the other way over my shoulder at another thing and then uh, eventually you'll catch him and then he'll smile and giggle and uh, i don't know what the game is that he's playing but um yeah babies sometimes just uh will not pay you any mind it's it's like they're individual people with their own interests or something and yeah it's just don't do what you want them to. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. Craziness. One change we did make with with him was we were like primarily like Peppa Pig all the time. And then this week we changed to showing him a lot of Miss Rachel, which okay. you guys turned us on to. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if a lot of people are know about her, but she's very in your face in all the videos and it's Mm -hmm. basically just like her face as close to the camera as possible Mm -hmm. which maybe helps kind of koto see like oh that's what a face is i'm supposed to look at that (laughs) i think she um somehow has cracked the code at least for nico and his cousins she cracked the Mm. code of like prestige tv for a zero or a one-year-old I mean, yeah. it's just full attention for as long as you'll let them sit there. And Miss Rachel is pretty academic with what she does. You know, she's always trying to teach them something about colors or animals, toys, shapes, anything mm. like that. She does a lot of baby sign language in all of her videos, yeah. just kind of introducing that all the time. And as close as her face is to the camera, they'll even zoom in when she wants <laughs> yeah. to show kind of pronunciation. 
they'll just show her mouth on your big screen in your living room <laughs> and she'll say things very slowly. And uh, then the video cuts to stock footage of, you know, whatever she's talking about. They'll play a song and uh, it's just, I mean, full entertainment for babies. They'll watch yeah. Miss Rachel for an hour. No, no question. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Then the question is actually, how long do you want to let your kid watch Miss Rachel? So do you give it to Coda in short bursts or do you just leave it on in the background all the time? No, no. We just put it on when usually when we want him to like sit still, like usually after eating, I don't want him like running around on the floor on his belly and possibly puking. So mm-hmm. like I'll sit down with him, put the Miss Rachel on. So he sits and kind of relaxes for a bit. I should say too, Miss Rachel is just uh, sort of a random YouTuber out there. She's just a person who put it all together herself. Mm. But she has caught on to the point. I mean, I think all of her video or a lot of her videos will have easily a million or more views. And she got to the point now where I know a month or two ago she was interviewed on the Today Show. So she's one of those oh, YouTubers wow. who's kind of like cracked into the bigger market or at least the bigger awareness in the United States. But she's good. She's like right down the middle with what the kids want to see. And um, mm. it's not just wacky nonsense either. It's always meant to be, you know, teaching them some basic stuff. So we like Miss Rachel. Yeah, I'd agree. We do too. Oh, also to piggyback here on your update, we just did Nico's 10-month checkup. And he's now like 11 and a half months. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. So he was, you know, bullying all the other kids there, a little bit older, a little bit longer in the tooth, um, singular. He's got a few teeth, but, uh, and it's for the same reason that you're going early. We were in the U S and we had to push it back when he, you know, turned, he turned 10 months in the U S and, um, I guess he turned, no, he turned 11 months here, but then we had the appointment just after that. Wait, so wouldn't they call that an 11 month checkup? Well, it's the kind of thing where it's like every kid in the city goes to the, uh, the clinic or whatever it is at the same time. So it's officially termed everyone's 10 month checkup. Uh, So he just attended the official 10 month a little bit late, but all good there. It was uh, interesting to see your kid lined up against other kids, his age. I'm I'm, I'm just hoping they have chairs this time. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be on the floor. (laughs) Yeah. Not to um, rain on your parade there, but there were no chairs for us. Uh, There were some Mm. tatami mats and they would pull out extra little rubbery mats for you to sit on. But we had a whole like instruction session, like maybe a, say, 15 minute kind of lecture where a a woman had these big charts blown up and she was talking about different foods and uh, that sort of thing, you know, giving you some instructions for what to do with your kid. And you're sitting on the floor and all the babies are sitting on the floor. And that was a real kind of proving ground for the babies. Like some parents just let their kids go, you know, like uh, there was a kid next to us. Uh, we're in the tatami room and the kid just crawled and then went to the doorway and the kid was like peeking out the doorway and about to go down the hall. Mm. And the mother was just intently watching the lecture. So my wife and I both were looking over at this baby, like, should we go get this kid before it takes off down the hall? Like what the, what's going on? Um, But it's just interesting to see people like how, you know, everybody acts differently. Some people are way more hands-on. Um, there was a baby in front of us who kept crawling back to me and would crawl into my lap. 
this little baby girl. <laughs> and so I kept uh, picking up this girl and then the mother would look back and be like, Oh, just kind of, that's cute. You know? And then I would try to, you know, scoot her back up or the mom right. would take her, but multiple occasions. So it was kind of a nice little social interaction for the kids too. And to see how much like other parents are willing to let their kids touch your kid or to let your kid touch their kids and, you know, just kind yeah. of feeling things out that way. So that was a yeah. fun little side experiment going I've on. I've noticed, I've noticed there's a lot more f- maybe like free range parenting going mm-hmm. on around Japan at that age. Like yeah. We were at a restaurant like a week ago, I think in Toyama city. And it's like this new fancy place that's kind of built for kids and moms to go and like hang out and interact. But there was like, we got there and then there was just two ladies with a baby there. And so we sat on the opposite side of the room because we weren't sure if like, you know, one of the kids was going to be fussy or not. We wanted space, mm-hmm. but they let that little girl have like free run all over that room to mm-hmm. the point where another group of ladies came in with kids. And then that cur- girl just started like sitting with them. And the mom was just in her conversation, like talking, like barely paying attention to the kid. And like at, at like a couple of points, like, those ladies are looking over there like, Hey, come get your kid. And we're like looking over, like, are you going to pick up this kid? And then she starts like kind of wandering towards the shoe rack towards the front of the store. And we're like, uh, should somebody get her now? Like what's going on? (laughs) You know, ideally I would be exactly that way. Cause I think it's good for the kid to be as social as the kid wants to be like, um, Mm. and it's, you know, I would like Nico to be able to crawl up to another table and just see people and, it seems like everybody enjoys it kind of, unless it gets out of hand. But then the thing that holds me back is just the social anxiety of it. Like, are these people hating this? Are these people thinking that I'm a horrible parent? And then that makes me jump in. But in my heart, I would like to let them just run. I think. I think it's nice to give your, your kid freedom to do that. But then you've got people, you know, it's a restaurant. They want to eat and do their thing with their kid. They don't want to also watch your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Too true. Just let him walk up, say hi, then maybe go grab him, bring him back. Yeah. Be like, okay, good job. You said hi. Let's hang out here. (laughs) Yeah. Don't spend the rest of lunch with another family. Yeah. That's, um, that's always the tough call. I feel like you make those decisions a million times a day with, especially in a social setting. Like, right. at what point is my kid crossing the line for other people? Or, um, right. you know, if I let my kid play with another kid and they're both under a year, eventually one of them is going to slap the other one in the face or like <laughs> scratch them or something. And you want them to enjoy that social time, but you know it's going to come to a head eventually and you don't want to be yeah. like blamed or you don't want to be, you know, feel like the other group is angry with you or something. So right. I'm always, you know, on that tightrope every day. You reminded me of an update that I forgot about. It's just a, a small one, but we noticed that there's three more teeth poking through for Coda. Hey, hey, he's got two and he's got three coming through. Is that right? Yeah, the two middle ones on the bottom have been poking through for a while now, but now he's got three on the top. Like it mm. looks like the two front and then one on his right. But yeah, he's got about five that really hurt when he gets a hold of you. <laughs> yeah, yikes. <laughs> It's insane because Nico is in exactly the same position. He's got the two on the bottom and he's got three poking through. He's got top uh, left, like of the two center teeth, he's got top left. And then he's Mm. got 
the one to the left of that one. So not the two in the middle, but just the left front tooth and then the one to the left of that. Then uh, on the bottom, he's got the two that have been there forever and he's got another one popping through. Uh, The thing that's kind of not driving us crazy right now, but that we notice is that because he's got top and bottom teeth now, he grinds them. And uh, especially when you're just um, laying down in bed and everything's quiet, you can hear him grinding the teeth. So crazy. Yeah. When I hear it, I don't know if it's like a horrible thing or if he'll get out of it or, you know, maybe when his teeth get bigger and more grown in, it'll stop. I'm not sure. But I try to like um, disrupt him a little bit, like put my finger around his mouth or, you know, in his mouth to try and just make him change up his pattern. You guys aren't using binkies or anything like a pacifier? Um, he's not really into them. Maybe we weren't religious enough about it in the beginning, but uh, he never really took to a pacifier. I mean, it's probably for the best. I've heard that it's good to get him off of those as young as mm-hmm. possible. But yeah. I always found for teething, especially at night, like that just gives him something to mm-hmm. kind of focus his teeth on a little bit. It's crossed my mind in the last week since he's been grinding uh, to try to give him the pacifier. But it's something mm-hmm. I need to read up on more and Honestly, at this point, I don't think he'll take the pacifier just because it's not his habits. And right. if we put a pacifier in his mouth, he's more of like a, I want to play with this kind of a kid. So he takes it out and then he plays with it until he drops it. So it lasts for yeah. two seconds at a time. Coda usually will do that too. It'll like last until like maybe he just falls asleep and then somehow it just falls out. I've got one more update here. That's that we did our first daycare visit uh, earlier this week. So Nico will be attending a daycare from February, basically. Um, You know, our parental leave is one year. His birthday is February 10th. So we have to go back to work on his first birthday. And that's when he needs to be full time in daycare. Heartless. Yeah, it's pretty ruthless. Happy birthday. (laughs) Go hang out with strangers now. Um, part of it though, is to, that he needs to be warmed up to it. So the daycare said starting February 1st, you should bring him by every day and we'll just do like an hour the first day, an hour the second day. He can see Mm -hmm. the other kids. You can stay, uh, in those first few days and, you know, we'll give him the snack and just kind of get him into the groove a little bit. And then as the days go by, he stays a bit longer and we leave. And uh, eventually he's staying the full day. So then when February 10th rolls around, it's just like old hat to him and he he gets right in there. So that's in full swing. But the interesting part of it was it's it's Japan. So things are very orderly and organized. One thing that kind of caught me off guard was they said there's an online form that you fill out. And um, if there's something that you're working on with Nico at home, for example, like if you were worried about, oh, he's not doing this or that the right way. You can write it in the memo box in this online form and we'll see it. And then we'll try to work on that same thing with him too. Um, Hmm. And of course, all this explanation is coming down in Japanese. And so I was catching just half of it and I was like, oh, that's pretty nice. And then my question for them was McQuifty. I don't know. My question (laughs) for them was um, how often do people fill that out? Like, is it, are people writing you know, like once a week, something that they're trying to work on or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, no, you fill it out every day. <laughs> and uh, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, boy, here we go. So then uh, as we went, we got into the form and they sent us a link to it. And so we're we're right in there now. But this is the information that you need to fill out every morning, every single morning before you take your kid to the daycare. 
And meanwhile, remember, it's the morning, so you're getting yourself ready for work. You're probably tired. You're getting your kid ready for daycare. You need to be there by a certain time, but you got to spend time online, like filling out this form. So the information they want is um, his overall condition. Uh, What did he have for dinner the night before? What did he have for breakfast? Uh, What time was he breastfed last and how many milliliters of milk was it? Um, his sleep time. So uh, when did he fall asleep? When did he wake up? What was the timing of his last poop? And uh, any notes about the poop? What's his body temperature? Who's picking him up that day? And uh, what time are they picking him up? And then there's a section for other notes. And this is part of the morning routine. I will say to mitigate it, that all of these have a drop down menu. So you don't have to type it all in. You just click the down arrow and then select You know, most of these things, but you still have to do it generally. Um, I mean, you could take care of some of it the night before, but you'll have to be on it in the morning at least to talk about his breakfast and and that sort of stuff. You got to take his temperature every day. Yeah, which I think that that is now a Corona thing. Um, uh, And it might have been done before because there are rules that a kid with a, you know, a temperature over X number of degrees can't be accepted by the daycare. You have to do something else with the kid. Hmm. So whether you have to take off work or uh, my wife told me that a hospital will sometimes have a daycare for sick kids. So you can take uh, your kid to the hospital and drop them off in a a special daycare there. Mm -hmm. I I haven't really looked into that, but I was like amazed by how orderly and rule-based and sort of um, like labor intensive it was just to take your kid to daycare every day. So yeah. I messaged my sister, Jessie, uh, former J-Pops guest, uh, who herself worked in the field for 12 years. And she said, to my surprise, that um, her school was the same way uh, but yeah. in, in America. But they had uh, a printed out sheet and it was there on the desk in the morning and every parent would drop their kid off. So she told me that um, the parents would drop their kid off. They would need to write the kid's name, the date and time. And there was a section for um, things like how did the child sleep? When did they wake up? Did they eat breakfast? When was their last bottle? How many milliliters? Uh, Mm. And if they need any medicine that day. Uh, And then my sister wrote, uh, a lot of parents didn't fill any of it out. (laughs) So I think (laughs) that's the difference is uh, in America, it's just like, "Ah, I ain't doing that. But in Japan, it's like, oh, no, you must, you must. And that's a, a just a big cultural thing here is that people will follow the rules. So you end up mm. spending a lot more time on this sort of thing. I can say that Moe will be the morning person. So that will 100% be filled out all the time correctly. Yeah, that's good. She'll be on top of it. If I were in charge of that, it would be a lot of blanks, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sad to say. What I need to do is buy the, like, assassination style thermometer, you know, where you just hold it up to somebody's head and pull the trigger. Uh, Um, Yeah. I need to get one of those like, okay, corral style because um, like to wrangle a kid and get the thermometer under his arm, you know, for however long that takes every morning, it's going to turn into a problem, I think. So if if I can get that special thermometer, that'll be good. I feel like a lot of it's going to be kind of a copy and paste job from the day before, sadly. Yeah. But um, you know, you get pressed for time and it's, uh, I want things to be easier in my life rather than harder. And I see right. the value in this, but at a certain point, things pile up and uh, right. it's hard to complete everything. I would assume like fill it out if 
you notice like, oh, he had diarrhea or he did this or something's wrong, then you would like take the steps to fill out those forms and be like, okay, well, here's what's been wrong. Everything else par for the course kind of. That's how I feel about it. And I said that to my wife that I would picture myself, you know, like just bringing him to daycare and saying like, oh, by the way, here's a little thing that was going on rather than a daily reporting of it. Right. But um, yeah, I think that's not how it's going to shake out because I'll be there every day picking them up and dropping them off. And then mm. they check every day precisely at 9 a.m. They check those forms. Mm. Uh, they also fill out a form by 4 p.m. that you can check in the same app. So gotcha. um, you can see what your kid was up to that day. So it's a two-way street there. And then I think that means that they're so on top of it that they'll let you know if you haven't been doing it properly. Yeah, probably. They'll probably be telling me about it. Yeah, it's such a different lifestyle because now we're still on parental leave and just doing things as we need to do them. But soon it's like I'll be doing all that stuff to take him to daycare so that then I can go to work. Right. And it's like, man, <laughs> a lot of my time is going to go right down the drain. <laughs> Not cool. Yeah, man. You only got a couple of weeks left now. Yeah, I know. It's winding down. Are you going to be at work Not great. 20... the next time we do this? No, I think I'll still be free and clear for another couple of days. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got like 21 days. So three weeks. I'm exactly three weeks away from heading back Counting to work. I'm 49 weeks into my 52-week break. So it's all coming to a close. I suppose we can pop over to, what's it called? Segment City, ladies and gentlemen. Population 2. <laughs> Isn't that what we've been saying? Sure. <laughs> For the segment today, we were brainstorming, like, you think baby sometimes, and it just, baby sounds pretty static. You've got a baby, and mm. you're doing things to take care of your baby. But what we realized in the first year is that things change wildly, uh, even within the first year. Uh, some things are very difficult, and they become easy. Some things are easy, and they become difficult. There are things you do religiously that then fall off the map entirely. Mm. There are things you don't do, and then suddenly become a big deal. So um, that's sort of the theme uh, of today's segment is um, things that have changed dramatically. Mm. And we've narrowed it down to a few areas. So, uh, Mark, take it away with the first one. Yeah, the first one is diaper changing. And I think this might be the most drastic of the changes, at least, that I've noticed. Uh, I've got a few stats. So for Coda, almost 10 months now, We've gone through over 2,000 diapers. Holy goodness. Yeah. And it's it's proven because we've tracked most of them in our little app. Uh, uh-huh. The first three months, it was an average of 11 diapers a day between poop mm. and pee. Then after that, it went down to about six a day through the eighth month. And now we're doing maybe three and a half a day. That's very interesting data right there. It, uh I feel like Nico is exactly the same because I was just kind of mm. in my mind thinking like, do we just do like three diapers a day? But yeah, three or four a day is what he's up to yeah, now. Yeah, it drastically drops off once they start eating solid food. Yeah. So you're spending less time and effort on diaper changing. Yeah. So in that regard, it's gotten easier as the years gone by. Yeah, I'd say diaper changing is definitely like 100% easier than it was in the beginning. Just the amount, like the poop cleaning is so much easier now. Sure, it's stinky and 
it's massive, but usually it's just like one wipe and you're done. Whereas before you'd be going through like four or five wipes because it got everywhere and it's all sticking to everything. Yeah. But yeah, it's so much easier. And there's only three a day. So he's usually only doing maybe one poop a day. And the way in which it's gotten more difficult, though, is as you say, it's so much stinkier when they switch over to solid foods. And it's kind of, it's like night and day. It's like you just flip a switch of, oh, solid foods. Now I'm pooping like an adult man. Yeah. And you're just cleaning up an adult man like a 45-year-old alcoholic's <laughs> poop <laughs> right out of his diaper. Just, Maybe Nico has bigger problems. Jeez, that's drastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know where you have that that knowledge from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like a 45-year-old alcoholic named Larry, guy I know, used to live his poop. <laughs> That's exactly what you're dealing with uh, when they switch to solid foods. And so you'll have the diapers like that are stomach turning and you're like, who? Yeah. You know, because like just the smell of it hits you. But for the first three, four, up to five months or so, the smell is as good as it gets for human poop. You know, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I wouldn't call it pleasant, but it's definitely tolerable. It's shocking because you would think like a total milk diet might do something crazy. And, you know, it would smell horrible and sour. And it's actually not that bad, especially compared to what you deal with later. So you have more moments, I think, where you're just like, oh, man, come on. (laughs) You know, Uh, yeah, but it's only like three times, four times a day, whereas before it was uh, more uh, tolerable, but it was just all day long. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as you said, like the the way the poop would come out of the diaper and, you know, up the back, up the stomach, out both legs, like (laughs) any kind of poop explosion that then demolishes the clothes. So now you're washing clothes and it turns into like a 35 minute affair because one diaper went bad. That doesn't happen anymore. So that's gotten easier. Definitely. Uh, What what do you got for us? Topic two here is sleep patterns. I would say that uh, every kid's going to be different with how they sleep. But when the kid's born, you're actually on a schedule yourself to feed the kid, you Mm -hmm. know, like for the first few weeks. And you'll set an alarm to wake up at 1 a.m. and then wake up at 4 a.m. and like, you know, uh, keep this pattern going. So that's hard for sure because you're there's no chance that you'll sleep through the night. You're, you know, purposefully waking yourself up to, to tend to the kid. But then around, I would say the third month, Nico hit this pocket where he would sleep for eight hours, oh, wow. sometimes would sleep up to like 10 hours. And it was to the point where when he started doing it, we would pop up in the middle of the night and go look at him thinking that something was wrong. Mm. But then we just got used to it and we could count on, Minimum seven, but generally eight or nine hours sleeping straight through, no complaints that's at all. Crazy. And that was from month month three to month five. That's obviously as easy as it could possibly be. Uh, he was, I mean, he was sleeping like a 45-year-old alcoholic, <laughs> just like unconscious, <laughs> like right through the night. Pooping himself. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, not even knowing. <laughs> but then after about the fifth to sixth month, he started to wake up intermittently through the night and if he wakes up and he's not fully rested, he's not happy about it. And so it's a wake up and an immediate cry. Mm. 
And now it's gotten that much more difficult because he's so much more mobile. And if he wakes up even a little bit in the night, he's immediately picking himself up and getting into a sitting position. And it's only like oh, waking himself up further. So it's that much more difficult to, to get him back to sleep. But now I'd say he cries out like four or five times through the night. And each time it takes some attention from us mm. because if we don't go over and settle him down, then he's just going to get up and you know rile himself up even more. So now we're kind of back to square one with um, waking up several times through the night. So that one for us went hard to very easy. And now we're kind of back in hard mode again. Ours is uh, a bit easier. I have a confession to make. I am terrible at waking up at night. And so Mm -hmm. I generally don't. (laughs) Uh Like I will be able to sleep through him crying all the time. I just have this ability. It's like a switch. Like my body's asleep. There's like baby crying. I'm like, nope, not waking up. <laughs> That's it. But but Moe wakes up even before he cries. Sometimes she just like she senses it, and then she's up. Yeah. And uh, but lately it's been like maybe one, two times a night. I've noticed mm. that he'll like cry out, and either need to be like helped put back to sleep in his crib, or even brought into our bed to help mm. get back to sleep. Last night was particularly bad. It took him, I think, about two hours. He was up maybe trying to get back to sleep. And I think it's like he's at that age of like growth spurt that kind of like Mm -hmm. makes him uncomfortable at night. So he's like moving around and then he just wakes himself because he's moving so much. As you said, with uh, your wife taking over the the bulk of the responsibility, I would say my wife does too because a lot of the times um, he would only be satisfied if he's nursed. And then that calms him down and gets him back to bed. So at least like, I mean, more than half the time, my wife has to be in charge of him waking up. But I at least once or twice a night will grab him and um, I can like have him lay on my chest and he'll fall back asleep that way. You can kind of even put your hand on his head Mm. to very gently pin his head down a little bit just so to keep him from riling back up again. And then within about 30 seconds, he's asleep after that. So He just kind of needs somebody to guide him to sleep. And I can do that, you know, some of the time. But as you said, it's like the bulk of it goes on to the the mom. Sorry. Sorry, moms. Next up. Feeding. This was pretty interesting. I was going back through that app again and looking at numbers. And in Coda's 10 months alive, he's had 1,000 bottles, 1,400 breastfeeding sessions, and 200 mm-hmm. solid food meals. Quite the amount of eating he's had already. Yeah, that's a lot going through the old baby there. It's interesting. Like the uh, first six months, it's all formula and, and breast milk. And it, in that period, he was eating about nine times a day, mm-hmm. mixed between the two. And then once solid foods were introduced around six months, then everything starts slowing down a little bit. And now to this point, he's only having maybe two bottles a day and he's only mm-hmm. getting breastfed maybe once a day or once every two days at this point. That's interesting. We dropped off on the bottles a long, long time ago. Mm. Um, I don't think he's even attempted a bottle 
uh, and maybe, I don't know, in, in America, he wasn't doing any bottles and he was six months old when wow. we went to America. So it's probably been four or five months since the last time we even tried a bottle with him. Even like pumped? Yeah, pumped or formula or anything. Uh, we just haven't gone down that road anymore. I think it was when we got into more solid foods. That mm. was kind of the balance that solid foods took over for the bottle. And I will say that uh, something they recommend is when you're doing solid foods in the beginning, there's like a rice powder or a grain powder or whatever. Yeah. We would scoop a scoop of formula into that powder and mix it up and feed it to him mm. for nutritional purposes. So he was getting the the powdered or the yeah powdered milk nutrition, but just fed to him with a spoon with the grain, for example. I think it was just a different delivery system, basically. But mm. he's been off bottles for a long time, and I think we do yeah like three square meals of solid food a day, and then we basically um, top him up with nursing um, intermittently and especially through the night, but. As my wife says, uh, she's often just the human pacifier. You know, if he's <laughs> right. flipped out, then nursing calms him down. Right. And so he just sort of sits there and maybe doesn't even drink, but it's just calming. And then he goes back to bed. Yeah. So it's hard to say even how much he's nursing, honestly, at this point. But gotcha. he's just generally a solid food man with a little bit of uh, nursing on mm. the side. I don't think Coda's nursing at all at night anymore. We usually oh, give yeah. him like bath late at night like seven ish and then get done with that like seven thirty, and then have a bottle ready and then he's usually drunk that passed out by eight and i don't think he eats again until eight the next morning when he gets solid food again i think it's been that way for a little while now so would you say then the food situation has gotten easier in terms of the load on you guys I mean, it's less frequent for sure. Yeah, I guess so. Moe does a lot of the food prep ahead of time. So I don't know Mm -hmm. that I'd say it's easier because she does a lot of work getting all like the frozen food trays set up and like all his meals planned out. But his eating's gotten more regular, I think. I would say um, with the decrease in nursing, that frees up the mom's time a lot where she's not kind of tied to the baby sitting there. Mm. So it's easier in that way when the nursing starts to drop off. And then as you say, the food, you have to mash it up and then put it into the ice cube trays and freeze it. And that takes a lot of effort. So I think in many ways, the, the time is kind of replaced almost an equal measure of like, maybe not equal, but uh, you're still doing a lot of food prep. Now, Nico's at the point where he's basically just eating whatever we have for our meal. We just spoon some of it into his little bowl and mash it up a bit more and he Mm. can eat that. So that's taken some of the load off uh, for sure. So I would say food situation has gotten pretty much easier and more like uh, saving us time as the months have gone by. I think we're pretty close to doing that shared eating. There's just still some, he's not really good with like too chunky foods. And so a lot of our stuff, you know, it's like a lot of solid food and we're a little cautious, especially Mm -hmm. he's had like two choking incidents now with food. So Mm -hmm. we're very, very cautious with that. Final topic here is um, entertaining the kid, uh, playing with the kid, or just generally Mm. watching slash spending time with the kid as a baby you know, as a young, young baby for the first two or three months, they can't move or roll over or do anything. Hmm. So personally, I felt like I need to be sitting this kid up and carrying this kid around because left to his own devices, he just lays there and has to stare at the ceiling, you know? (laughs) So then all of your, um, 
engagement with the kid is you doing it and it takes your effort and your full attention, basically. Mm. Not that it's a bad thing or that you mind doing it. It's just that you're spending a lot of effort and time to do it. So as time went by, when the kid can sit up, to me, that's a big milestone because when the kid can sit, the kid can like sort of look around his vicinity and pick up different toys and entertain himself a bit more. And Mm. there's less chance he'll get bored because he's sitting up and the world's more available to him. Then when he can start to scoot around and drag himself around and then crawl, then it's like he can do whatever he wants now. If there's a toy across the room, he can go get that toy and uh, he can go see somebody that he wants to see and that sort of thing. So then it's a lot less on you to feel like this kid's getting enough uh, input or entertainment or that he's not sitting there totally bored. So I think that that's gotten easier. We got to the point at around, say, seven or eight months where you could just leave him on a mat in the floor with a few toys around and he'd be good for an hour just Mm. checking out all of his toys. And, you know, you can get down there and play with him or you can talk to him from sitting on the couch or whatever you want to do. And it's just very freeing. Whereas before you had to have your hands on him and keeping his head up and, you know, that sort of stuff every moment that you were um, engaged with him that way. So I think playing's gotten easier, but then I think it hits a crucial point where it gets much harder again And that's when he's so mobile that uh, he can get into stuff that you don't want him getting into. And now you're like hyper vigilant all the time. We had a a real golden age of baby around like months, say seven and eight, when he could sit up and play, but he couldn't go anywhere. And now he can sit up and play and he can get into everything. So it's gotten a little bit harder again. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that period where he's in the bouncer, and he's got that little toy wrapped around him and he might be like watching TV or just like sitting with you. That's like the easiest time you can have. Cause then you're like, all right, I'm going to go cook something or I'm going to do computer work and he's totally fine. But then once he's on the floor and he's doing stuff, you're like, I'm, I'm there more being with him. Yeah. Sure. He's not doing anything or making sure he's even not just like banging his head on something. Yeah, for sure. This is uh not appropriate for segment town, but uh, segment city, apologies. Oh. Um, but uh, when we were visiting the daycare, I forgot to mention this back in updates, we were visiting the daycare and it was like an hour and a half, two hour meeting going over all the rules and stuff. Mm. And uh, my wife was mostly talking to the lady and Nico was like kind of cruising around playing with toys and whatnot. And I was like watching him. And at one point he was crawling and he put his hand on the wall like he was trying to stand up a little bit more. And his hand slipped down the wall and his head just smashed into the wall. Oh, no. (laughs) It rang out like somebody had punched the wall or something. And then there was immediate crying. And then he got a bandage on his head. (laughs) His head was was swollen. Why did he get a bandage? (laughs) Yeah, they had like these cold compresses ready to go. Uh, so I think okay. they were they were even happy that they could show off their skills, like handling right. a little a little bump on the head. Nice. But um, he was fine by the end of the day. I think it, the bump had gone down totally and it, it wasn't red anymore, but um, it mm. scared him. But still, even with that shock, he got like three like, ah, ah, ah. and then he was just <laughs> looking around at toys again. Uh, but oh, it was worrying because it was a full-on smash of the head into the wall. Yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah. So that's the kind of thing where um, two months ago that wouldn't have been on my radar because he wouldn't have been mobile enough to go halfway up the wall and smash his face into it. And the other thing was I was one foot away from him when it happened and I didn't foresee that his hand would suddenly slide down the wall and he would smash his face into it. So um, there's like danger around every corner when they hit, say, whatever the age of the kid is when they get a bit more mobile, say nine, 10, 11 months and they're Mm. crawling and trying to climb up stuff then uh, it, there's just no saving them. <laughs> and you're just hyper vigilant and still putting out fires. You just got to be that parent sitting there and paying attention to the thing in front of you and letting the kid run off. Just gotta- yeah, exactly. Out of sight, <laughs> out of mind. That's the only way. But uh, do you have a similar experience with entertaining the kid? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, lately he's sitting up more and more interested in the stuff that's in his immediate vicinity. And Mm -hmm. he's gotten really good at dropping stuff and then making it go really far away from him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which means he's, he's going after that thing that he dropped, even though there's 10 other things around him. He's like, Oh, that one got away. I got to go get it. And then you're like, Oh crap. Now I got to get over there with you and make sure you don't bump your head on stuff. So it's definitely gotten harder again. And uh, the kid will sometimes like scoot half of his body under the sofa and then can't extricate himself and then cries <laughs> and it's like well don't back under the sofa man <laughs> so they the kids get himself into a lot of trouble even if they're not falling off something they're like wedging themselves into something and getting upset about it so yeah it's pretty much every couple of minutes there's something else going on yeah we have this gate around our fireplace and the slats in the gate are probably just big enough for his hand to get through and his little arm. Mm -hmm. And without a doubt, every time you put him down, he somehow rolls over to that gate and sticks one, both two hands, two feet through these slats with a toy. And then it's the next like five minutes of him trying to pull the toy back with his hand. (laughs) It's like that. There's like a video of a dog with a stick trying to go upstairs, but the (laughs) stick is too wide. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that. (laughs) And then he's just like getting mad. And and then he starts like pulling harder and like starts hurting himself. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll come over and help you. (laughs) It's amazing how like almost creatively the kids can get themselves into trouble in ways that I never would have foreseen. But what Nico's done several times now is say there's like a, a toy that folds clothes, like a book even. Um, he'll put one hand in the book and then close it with the other hand. And now he's got his weight pressing down on top of the book, trapping his other hand. And then he's crying about it because he can't figure out like why his hand's hurting, why he can't get it out. But it's himself p- applying the pressure. So um, he's done that with any number of things. Like a drawer will be slightly ajar. He'll right. wrap his little fingers around the top of the drawer and then close it with the other hand <laughs> and like, smash oh, no. fingers slowly in the drawer and then be very alarmed by it. You have to go uh, get him out of, the, of a tough spot. Anyway, that's yeah. The it's just remarkable how things pop up that you never would have anticipated never, and they will just continue to pop up. Yeah, you never think about that stuff. Anyway, that's good for segment town city today. Uh, I think we can McQuiffy each other if you're into that kind of thing. Oh, we can McQuiffy each other? Uh, well, you can, we do this? Me. <laughs> you can McQuiffy me this week. Okay. I'll gladly receive a McQuiffy. Okay, bend over. Okay. 
my mc with you this week since you recently came back from america and i am soon to be going to america i thought it would be a good time to ask what is the one thing that you would recommend doing or buying when flying with a baby the essential item or activity a couple of things actually spring to mind. This is just a straight up product recommendation. They're not paying us like Honda, but <laughs> it's a product recommendation. Mentions oh. <laughs> the freed. I didn't think he was going to. <laughs> the, the thing I'm going to recommend, you could fit so many of them in a Honda freed. Just the space in that car. Now the thing is, uh, there's a book called, um, the name brand is indestructibles. And, hmm. uh, it's like um, a kind of paper that reminds me almost of like a currency. You know how that paper of money oh. is really tough and yeah. you can fold it up a million times. It never rips. And the the paper of all the pages is like that. And the great thing about the indestructible books is that they don't have a hard cover. It's like even the covers are that same material. So they mm. are flat as anything. You can trust the kid with them. And the kid can like chew on them, try to tear them. Nothing happens to the indestructible books. Hmm. Uh, they're very lightweight and you can slip easily three or four of them into the diaper bag and not have to worry about taking up that much space. Because nice. um, when you're on the flight, the priorities are it can't really make noise because you'd be annoying everyone around you. Right. Um, and it needs to be incredibly compact. Uh, because you can only carry so much stuff on. So mm. the indestructible books, we saw them from my sister, Jessie, who tends to have, you know, everything baby oriented that you can imagine. She's got it. And it's always the coolest, newest thing. She had indestructible books for a car trip that we went on. And we mm. were like, man, it's genius. So we immediately, uh, I guess we requested them for Christmas and got a haul of indestructible books. Nice. So um, that's a very cool thing that's out there. It's way better. I mean, you know, a lot of kids' books these days are the thick, like cardboard style yeah. uh, books that are really strong, and that's good for use at home. But when you're traveling, you don't want to carry three or four of those. Yeah. So um, I would get those very slim, indestructible books. I don't know if Coda's a big book man. Oh yeah, he loves eating books. Yeah. Well, there you go. It's a okay. toy because he can get in there and try to play with it. Uh, it's a book if you just want to read and show him pictures. Hmm. So we took three of those on the plane um hmm. beyond that uh i would say while you're in the u.s you could buy some like cheerios obviously not with honey but cheerios and like uh checks mix just the plain checks oh okay. um, we filled up a couple of baggies with those and used them basically like in japan how you'd use simbei you know just keep popping those to the kid um hmm. are those better than puffs uh we are trying to back off puffs a little bit because the puffs are sweet and we just don't want to get them too hooked on needing things to be sweet all the time. So mm. just regular old like rice checks, wheat checks, and like uh, the store brand of Cheerios, like toasted O's or whatever. Uh, mm. They're all pretty plain, but he's, he loves those. He'll, you know, pop those all day long. Gotcha. So that's nice to, to distract him beyond that. Yeah. Just any little silent toy that's, flat and easy we uh something like uh chewy and you know those little toys that are meant for teething babies one of those is mm. going to be essential too if the teething is what's causing them a problem on a on the plane uh and those things are usually rubbery and relatively flattened out anyway so yeah those would be the three arrows in my quiver uh indestructible books little treats like puffs um and uh some type of chew toy 
Okay, I can look into that. Good luck to you. Um, next up, Japanese of the day. Bring it on. Well, for Japati today, um, there are two words that are not really baby related, but there's um, shikibuton and kakebuton. You'll notice that buton is in both of these, and the boot is actually a version of fu. So we're talking about futon, which is the Japanese futon. Uh, not like the American futon, but the Japanese one where you lay it on the floor. There's a mat and then a blanket. You could argue they're both equally uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that's what ties them together is their level of discomfort. The two words, shikibuton, that's the lower mat, like the somewhat thicker one. It might be a few inches thick mm. uh, that goes on the floor. And then the kakebuton is what is essentially is like a comforter or a heavy blanket that goes on the top. Mm. And I bring it up because um, when you take your kid to daycare, there's a nap time, and that means you need to buy a little kid's mat, which is essentially a shikibuton, mm. but for a child. And uh, we got one of these. Um, actually, at the daycare, they'll give you a list, I mean, of dozens of things that you need to bring and buy and keep stocked at the daycare for your kid, like diapers and washcloths and all that sort of stuff. So we bought it, and uh, the mat itself is basically a tiny shikibuton. Uh, but it's called on the package. It's called Ohirune Matto. Ohirune Matto, and of course, Ohirune uh, is nap, mm. uh, nap time, and Matto is just the word mat. So it's a nap mat. Mm. But uh, if you needed to purchase one of those at the store, uh, they put an O, which is polite, in front of it. Uh, you probably a bit more casually, you could just ask for Ohirune uh, Matto, and mm. uh, that's what you'll need to get your kid into a daycare. Yeah, we got one of those already, actually. All right, sweet. They also request that you have a bag. Um, I think that it fits in. So there are like certain dimensions yeah. of a certain type of bag. And uh, my wife's mother made one for us. So mm. she chose like a cute fabric and made it to the dimensions before we even knew we needed it. So she was on the ball. Yeah, that was same with Moe's mom. She got us the, the Hirune Met. So there's some grandmother newsletter that goes around that we don't know I guess about. so. Well, speaking of grandmothers, let's do dad <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Just uh, all over my segue. Good segue there. <laughs> what, uh, how many do you got today? I've got two. I've got two. Do you want to start us off? Why was the printer named Bob Marley on the Office Network? Printer Bob Marley office. Because he's jamming. Boom! Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Because it was always jamming. Nice. (laughs) Well answered. All right. What about you? Why is Yoda such a good gardener? Hmm. I wish I knew like any Yoda lines or anything. Um, you know who Yoda is. I know. Yoda. I can picture Yoda. He's that okay. little puppet from the seventies. Um, yeah. Why is he a good gardener? He's got green thumbs. <laughs> that makes total sense. Now makes total sense. <laughs> My next dad joke. Um, what do you call a hippie's wife? Hippie's wife. What do you call her? I'm not going to say anything. I have no good answers. Okay. What do you call a hippie's wife? Mississippi. 
<laughs> Much better than what I was thinking. Okay. <laughs> this isn't a question and answer one. I'm just going to end this with a terrible joke. Okay. I lost 25% of my roof last night. Oof. <laughs> That's good. I like anything, you know, even tangential to grammar, like spelling, all that kind of stuff. That's right where I am. Uh, great, great, great. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope this week's episode was informative and interesting. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us either on Twitter at JPops Podcast or by email at info at the We'll talk to you next time. 45-year-old alcoholic time.